please turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4, verse 42. The Gospel of Luke, the end of chapter 4. In a moment, we're going to be reading from verse 42 of Luke chapter 4 down to Luke chapter 5, verse 11. That's Luke chapter 4, verse 42 to Luke chapter 5, verse 11. And the title this morning and the topic we're going to be looking at this morning is Fishers of Men. Fishers of Men. I believe the Lord... A little bit over a week ago, laid this topic and this passage on my heart. And thinking of a new year coming, I thought this would be the best day to preach this specific text as we think about 2023. God willing, we will return to the book of 1 John next week, next Sabbath day to continue that series. But we're going to take a brief break from that But this Sabbath day, let us look ahead to a new year. And let us look ahead to a new year with hope, with optimism. Not for ourselves and what is in in us, but for what God will do in this place, in this town. And I say this, not that what we can invent, or even for what the people of the town may want. But what they need, what we all need, the gospel. And that we would all glorify God in all these things. As we think about this topic of fishing, this is what we're going to be looking at here this morning. It's about fishing for men. But before we look at it, let us think of it this way. It must first be about God. All these things are to glorify God. There will be countless multitudes in eternity. Of every tongue. Of every nation. Glorifying God in heaven. Countless multitudes. God will be glorified in all these things. But the question is here in 2023. Will we listen to his ways? His light. His glory. His wisdom, his truth, to guide us in how to be fishers of men. And that in all these things, here in this place where we are called to be, and yes, we've all been called to be here. God has placed us in this town. He has placed us here to glorify him. And what will we do with this opportunity that we have to serve him? I wonder if the boys and girls have ever gone fishing. Have you ever gone fishing, boys? No, never gone fishing. Some people love fishing. I remember when I was growing up, a lot of the boys around a little bit older than me would all go fishing. And I wanted to be like them. Now, can I admit something? I don't like fishing. I tried I went fishing a number of times by myself. I tried. I tried to get into it. Um, one of the re- main reasons was my brother. My older brother was big into fishing. And I, as, my, as the younger brother, so wanted to be like him. I tried so hard to get into fishing. 
But you know why it's hard, boys and girls? You know why fishing is so hard, for me at least? I lacked something that starts with P. Patience. I had no patience. A few minutes, 30 minutes into it, I had me and my, my, me and my little rod, and I'm like checking the watch. Oh, has it been 30 minutes already? I was bored. I couldn't, I couldn't hack it. And that's just small fishing. That's just for fun. That's just fishing for fun. But what about nets? When it's your job. When it's your job. It's hard work. Sometimes you catch nothing. What do we want to do? We want to quit, don't we? Oh, has it been that long already? Oh, I've not seen anything so far. Should we give up? Should we give up? Should we give up fishing for souls? Fishing for men, for women, and for children? Not at all. May this passage here this morning encourage us to keep going. We may lack at times patience, as I did when I was growing up trying to get into fishing. But let us keep going. There may be times when there's no catch. But God will bless it. So let us read now from God's holy word, Luke chapter 4, verses 42, to Luke chapter 5, verse 11. Let us hear God's holy and infallible word. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing the nets. Then he got into one of the boats which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. Free and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were, partake, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. And may the Lord bless the reading of his holy 
an infallible word. Our text here this morning deals with a job that continues to be one of the most challenging and difficult jobs out there. It doesn't matter what kind of equipment you have. It doesn't matter what the technology is. Fishing, even till this very day, is a very difficult job. It's extremely hard work. Now, we don't like hard, do we? I don't think any of us really like hard work, generally. Years ago, outside of businesses, you'd always see these two words at the end of a title of a business. And son. And son. And do you know why that was? Generally, that business years ago was going to be passed on to the next generation. I can think of my own parents' shop. None of us in the family wanted to keep the shop. We were like, no, no, we're not interested in that. But years ago, people would have fought each other almost to get the business. Blacksmiths, coopers, those who make barrels, uh, farmers would have loved to have been the next generation to have received that job. And a lot of these jobs are hard, aren't they? These jobs are difficult jobs. These three jobs that I've just mentioned, blacksmiths, coopers, and farmers. Exhausting work, even today. Now, when we're given two choices, which do we normally go with? The easier or the harder? Which one do we normally go with? We often go with the easier choice, don't we? And the next generation, it's not always wrong, will go with a job that is easier. Fishing for men is difficult. It is difficult work. It is exhausting work. It is toiling work. It can be frustrating work at times. It requires great effort on our part. But I want us to see this this morning. The results of which do not depend on us. It is God who builds his church. It is the Lord who adds to his church. It all depends on God. So let us see this morning what we can learn from this text and what we can gain from it. Number one, principal focus in Christ's mission. Principal focus on Christ's mission. Principal there means the, the main focus, the first focus in Christ's mission. It says here in verse 42, of Luke 4. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. Now, we need a bit of context in what's happening in Luke's gospel up to this point. To understand why are all the people trying to keep Jesus with them. Is it to hear his preaching? Not often. Uh, very much so, it can be what has come up to this point. It says in verse 35 of Luke 4, it says this, But Jesus rebuked him, and saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, he came out of him and did not hurt him. Jesus brings healing, physical comfort to one possessed. In verse 39, of the same chapter. So he stood over them and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. And also was healing as well 
brought to Simon Peter's mother-in-law, described there in verse 39. And many were, were, demons were cast out, all these incredible things, very impressive to the people. And what do you think people were looking for? More, please. More. Heal my mother, heal my, my father. Look at all the, the health issues. And these have their own place, don't they? But they're not the main mission why Jesus came to the earth. This is working, they may be thinking. The people say, stay with us, keep doing this. This will change our nation. Or perhaps this will bring about revival and drive out those Romans who are dominating our country and are in control. We want them out. I say that because we can think, aha, let's do this, it worked before. And they had their own cultural challenges in that day. In that day, many of them were opposed to the Romans being there at all. In that day, it was national embarrassment to them that the Romans were over them. They wanted to be independent again and make their own decisions. No doubt much of this was going through their minds. But for all the things that other people wanted, Je- other people wanted Jesus to do, Jesus had a mission. And what was it this? But he said to them, verse 43, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because to this purpose I have been sent. This is why I am here. This is the mission. This is a commission from his father in heaven. This is why he came. Yes, he came to do miracles, wonders, which showed who he was. That he wasn't just any ordinary person. That showed that He was that prophet spoken about in Deuteronomy chapter 18. These were part of it, but there's a higher purpose. There's a main focus of Jesus' mission while on this earth. And it is to preach the kingdom of God. To preach the kingdom of God. One of the things I noticed about this. And especially in the modern church, we've got so much activity. There's so much activity. So much goes on. But so much of it has lost power because we can forget about the main mission of the church. We can think about more activity. That's better. People can feel burnt out, exhausted, frustrated with God that nothing happens. Why is there not more happening? But even Jesus himself, what did he do? Even Jesus himself in the midst of all this, very, a lot of excitement all around him, he needed time to go out, it says in verse 42, he went into a deserted place or a wilderness. He went to be alone. What did he go? He went to pray. He was always in communion with his father in heaven. There will be pressure always to do more and more and more and more. And I'm not saying we ought to be lazy in any way, shape, or form. 
but never lose sight of the highest mission, to glorify God. The highest mission, to glorify God into making Him known, making His radiance known, making His light shine into dark places. And everything else is to serve that mission, as it did for Christ while He was upon this earth. And we will ourselves need to come apart for a time. We will need to have to say no to people who may be pressuring us to do various different things. And to come apart and be with God, be alone with God. It is one of the most important things you will do in your day, is be alone with God. If Jesus needed to be alone with his Father in heaven, how much more do we need to be alone with our Father in heaven, to be in a deserted place, a place where there's no distractions. So we have the strength to deal with the rest of the day, because we won't have the strength otherwise. The people are saying, come, heal more. Oh, look, this will change everything. But it would not. It would not. He needed the strength. He needed to be alone with his Father in heaven. There's always these temptations within the church. There's always going to be problems. There's always going to be things to be solved. But the main focus of the church remains the proclamation of the gospel. Now, this is not to say that we should not help people when time arises. We should. If we see people in need of help in different ways, especially within the household of God, we ought to help people. If people are struggling with money or whatever the case may be, we should help But the main focus, the main focus is the gospel. This can often happen to with churches which get distracted away from the gospel. It doesn't happen overnight. There are not churches that wake up one morning and say, we're going to deny the virgin birth. We're going to be for female preachers. It doesn't happen overnight. It often happens when the church becomes distracted away from its main mission. And the world distracts it over to where, why aren't you fixing this? This will be the accusation. Why aren't you feeding the poor more? And other things like this. Feeding the poor is a noble goal. But is not the highest mission of the church. The gospel must never, ever take a back seat within the work and ministry of the church as it didn't for the work and mission of Christ upon this earth. Christ stayed on his mission of preaching. Verse 44, and he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. We often forget that Jesus was a preacher, the greatest preacher that will ever be upon the face of the earth. But he was a preacher. He was a preacher. So number one, the, primary, the principal focus in Christ's mission. Number two now, provided by God's power. Provided by God's power. And in focusing on this mission to preach, he takes every opportunity to teach and explain the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in verses 1 to 4 of Luke 5, so it was as the multitude pressed about him. To hear the word of God. That he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. 
and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. He kept on mission, teaching. This is, this is the main focus. Teaching, teaching, teaching. And the other things were there too. What? To not get in the way of that teaching and to facilitate and to bring the attention and to authenticate this message was from God. Now at this time, we also have to look at, they were washing their nets. Do you think that they were at the end of the day? When you're washing your nets? Do you think that they had desire and energy to go back out and do any more fishing? This is the end of the catch. They were exhausted, probably. Um, No desire to go back out again. Verse 5 says this of our text. Verse 5. Verse 4 and 5. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for the catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Can you imagine you're just after you're cooking a big meal and you're washing the dishes and immediately somebody wants you to get those dishes dirty again. Or you're washing the car and you say, do you want to drive down that road? Oh, it'll get dirty again. You probably don't really want to do it. It's a barren time. Sometimes you go out fishing and nothing happens for hours and hours and hours. And maybe a less experienced fisherman goes out somewhere else and catches far more. There's a picture here, isn't there? For all our toil and effort, for all our sacrifices, for all we will do physically, nothing will happen without God. Nothing will happen without God. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Who then is Paul, or who is Apollos, but ministers to whom you believed? As the Lord gave to each one, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor is he who waters, but God who gives the increase. And he says to lay down his net. And what happens in verses 6 and 7? And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. A great catch. If and when God brings any new souls into our midst, here among us as a church, or if and when souls are gloriously saved, it will be by God's power and shown to be. So often we can forget this. We can think it's the latest program or the latest new idea or if the church or if people outside the church will just see how nice we are 
Now, I'm not saying we're not supposed to be nice people. We are supposed to be nice and friendly. But this will not make the difference. It will not. Now, we may place a barrier in front of them if we're not nice. But, dear friends, people who are lost and come into this church, they may wish to avoid hell. They may come out of curiosity. But unless and until they've been born again, they have no love for Christ at all. If they come to saving faith, it will not be by the latest great marketing scheme or anything else like that or trend in the church. It'll be by God's power and shown to be one of the quickest ways, dear friends, of ending a revival is that men would take credit for it. I think Spurgeon said something to that effect. In revival... God gets all the glory. And if any method and if any person gets the glory, it is either not from God or it will end fairly quickly. This is all to glorify God. Most who come to Christ come to Christ under the preaching of the gospel. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Even in surveys that they've done, I think about 70% of people in surveys said it's under the preaching of the gospel that they come to know the Lord. We see many examples in history. People during the time of the Reformation came to know the Lord under the preaching of the gospel. Even in the Bible itself, 3,000 souls converted at the preaching of Peter in Acts chapter 2. Under the preaching of Jonah, a reluctant Jonah, a hesitant Jonah. Jonah had to be basically almost dragged to Nineveh. Under his preaching, Nineveh, one of the most hardened cities of the Assyrian Empire repented and believed the gospel says this in Jonah and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk then he cried out and said yet 40 days in Nineveh shall be overthrown so the people of Nineveh believed God proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth and from the greatest to the least of them Jonah chapter 3 verses 4 and 5 they believed now, what will we often do with a place that doesn't have any connection to true religion? Well, we've got to do something different. Preaching isn't good enough. Jonah went there and preached to a place that probably hadn't seen any of the Old Testament. And yet they believed God. And there was evidences of their repentance. And they proclaimed a fast and they wept before God. They believed because of the power of God. The catch came by God's power even in the time of Nineveh, this great city. What will our fishing look like if we believe this? Will we look to the word? Will we read it on a daily basis? As we think towards 2023, will we, if we a good New Year's resolution might be this. I will read through the whole Bible in the year. It's possible to be done. Two chapters in the morning, one chapter in the evening. I you say, that's too much for me. Okay, do one chapter in the morning, one chapter in the evening. Spread it throughout the day. But meditate upon it. Think about it. Will we share it with expectation if we believe 
that the Lord and by his power will bring this great cash. Will we pray? Will we pray? Prayer is far more important than any brainstorming session we may have or how we may come up with a new method of evangelism. We have the message of evangelism we need in the scriptures. They are there. They are there. It will not be without toil and great effort. It will not be without times of frustration. But it will all be by God's power when the catch does come in. Number three now. We're going to look at pragmatic, pragmatic skeptics. Pragmatic skeptics. You might be thinking here, yes, we know what to do in, in this area. And you might be thinking how you got saved yourself. And I know many people have wonderfully gotten saved, not through the preaching. Some people have gotten saved through Sabbath school. And praise God for that. Sabbath school is wonderful and we thank God for that. And we also look forward to the return of Sabbath school in a week's time. But there's a special power in the preaching. There is a special power in the preaching. I myself didn't get saved under the preaching of the gospel. I got saved online through, the, through an internet website. The Lord can use different means. I'm not, to, I'm not trying to disparage other means. Use them. But the gospel is the main focus at all times. Jesus was a preacher. Jesus trained preachers. He gave authority to preachers. He gave power to preachers. Then in verse 5, it says this, in verse 5, But Simon Peter, how did he react to being told where to place the catch? The master is telling you, put down the net here. This is what Simon Peter said. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. There's a bit of reluctance there, isn't there? Oh, we've tried it all night, but okay, if you, if you want me to do this. Have you ever done that? You, you like somebody, you respect somebody, and you say, look, I don't think anything's going to come out of this, but okay, we'll try it your way. We've tried this before, and it doesn't work. Uh, people don't want to hear preaching. That might be one excuse. Uh, people don't want to sing the Psalms. That's not what people want. They want entertainment. They want fun and games. That's going to attract. But will we listen to God's ways? Now, I'm not saying we're not supposed to have fun. We should as Christians have fun. But when we're bringing people to God, to the living and true God, He is the main attraction. Nothing else. He is the main attraction. The catch may take many years, but the catch is huge. And this is a small taste, a picture of the catch to come. Verses 6 and 7. And when he had done all this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Could you imagine that? So heavy. The net is breaking. How strong those fishing nets are. How much fish was there that that was a problem. And not only that, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats. How big of a catch was that? And nothing had happened until that point. Their own ways brought nothing. But at the Lord's power and the Lord's time, look at the catch. Look at the catch. The, the God of heaven and earth brings his chosen 
people to himself powerfully and infallibly. To put it like this, God's ways are enough. God's fishing net is enough. Strong enough, powerful enough to bring all those into the kingdom. This light of the gospel needs to be our main focus. Now again, there can be, I, I, I want to caution against legalism here because there are different ways you can be somewhat creative with the gospel and still share the gospel. I'll give you one example. I know of a man, when he goes for coffee, he, um, he goes for coffee in a coffee shop, he puts a little sign with him and he says, um, hi, my name is, he introduces himself, ask me anything about the gospel and people will come and sit down with him, random strangers, and ask him questions about the gospel. It's not a gimmick. People know exactly why they're sitting down with him. It's not like, hey, sit down with me for free stuff and I'll slip in the gospel somewhere. No, they know why they're sitting down with him. The gospel is the main attraction. But use every opportunity. Give out tracts. Talk to people in your family. There will be opportunities maybe at work that I am not even thinking of here. But the gospel is enough. The gospel is glorious. The gospel is beautiful. Because God is radiant. Number four now. Promise is proven. Promise is proven. God so often puts our unbelief to shame, doesn't he? We can be like Peter. Skeptical. I don't know if this is going to work. We can all be like Peter at times, skeptical. And then when we see prayer answered, we're almost in amazement. Do you ever see that? We sometimes pray. The Lord answers our prayer and we're like, wow. We're almost caught unexpected. And we're saying to ourselves, yeah, we're praying about it. But in our mind, we wouldn't say it out loud, would we? But we can be skeptical in our prayers. Let us not be skeptical in our prayers. God is powerful, all-powerful. What does it say in verses 8 and 9? It says this, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Simon Peter's reaction was this, Forgive me for my unbelief. Forgive me for my skepticism. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. And earlier on he says master. But now he says Lord. Kurie. And in the Old Testament that is Jehovah. Oh Lord. He's in amazement. His promises are proven. If we will but listen to them. We may not see the catch. Our nets may be empty. For a time. But they won't remain empty. There's no specific. I can't go to the Bible and says. In Rathfrey Island in the year 2023. This will happen. I can't say that. But I can say this as a promise. Before that God has given. It says this in Matthew 16.18. And I also say to you. That you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Death will not prevail against it. 
God will build, death will be defeated, the gates of hell will be put under the feet of Christ. And it gives, it gives us how in, in, a, in the next verse. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in, in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That is the preaching of the gospel. Whoever repents and believes their sins will be loosed on earth. Will also be loosed before the throne room of God. But if you do not repent and believe. The gospel. What will happen? What, what is bound, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. There's power in the preaching. Even as Jesus says this to Peter. I will build my church. And notice how he says I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. The preaching. Whoever repents will be forgiven. We must first listen to God and all these things. God promises much in the scriptures and he brings us much in the scriptures. Verse 9 it says in our text, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. Imagine if in a couple of years' time, or maybe at the end of this year, or whatever the case may be, and we look back at astonishment at the catch of fish. Now we have to remind ourselves this passage is not about making Peter and the other fishermen better at literal fishing. For he tells them later, from now on, you will catch men. He's showing them. If you follow me, my way, depend on my power, my wisdom, though you may not see it, though you may not think it is, even in your own strength, the right thing to do, it is. And there will be times when we're like, I don't understand this, but God's ways are better. God's kingdom will advance. It says in Matthew 13, 31 to 33, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, and a mustard seed is absolutely tiny, which a man took and sowed in the field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it has grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till all was leavened. Now, that passage does not say, leaven doesn't always mean sin. Leaven is a picture of something that goes and grows. And here it is a picture of the kingdom of God. It will grow. It will spread. And God will be glorified in all these things. A final point, and it will be a short point, is the last two verses, which is personal comfort. Personal comfort. So we've looked at the, the principal focus provided by God's power, pragmatic skeptics, promises proven, and finally, number five, personal comfort. 
It's not easy to follow God in a fallen world. It's not easy, not just because of our skepticism, but there's loads of obstacles in our way. But Jesus said this to Simon, Peter. This is verse 10. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. This is not easy. And Jesus knows this. It's not without sacrifice. It's not without something that is difficult. And no doubt, them leaving behind their livelihood, they needed comforting. Now this is really speaking directly to those called into full-time Ministry, those called to preach the gospel. They're to live of the gospel. They are to essentially forsake the secular job to focus primarily on this one thing, the preaching of the word of God. They forsook all that they knew to preach the gospel. But there is comfort for you too here this morning. Though you may not be called to preach the gospel. Think about your own service We too, in our own service, are called to forsake all. Perhaps it's not your job, and if it's a good job you're in, do not forsake your job. But, is there some commitment in your life preventing you from serving God more? When Jesus says to you this morning, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. But there's a forsaking needed. If you are clinging to your idols, even maybe as a saved person, in a a sense, you've been bogged down with very sins in your life. There's no real comfort here. But if you forsake all and go the direction that Christ will bring you, he says, do not be afraid. See, it's not just through the preaching of the gospel that there's there's ways to catch men. Souls, uh, women, Children, older men, whoever it may be. Because it is at the feet of Jesus, we learn how to share the gospel. He will teach us. He will teach us. So how is that? The more you are like Christ, and the more you love him, and the more you've been changed by him, you will speak of him more, won't you? It will just flow out of you. It won't be like, okay, I've got to bring up that topic um, in the middle of our conversation. No, it will just naturally spring out of you. And how is that going to happen? Just what we saw saw at the beginning of our text with Jesus when he went to a deserted place. Time alone with God. That's what's going to shape your sharing of the gospel. Time alone with God. Dear friends, there are people in this town who need the true and living Savior. There are people in this town, they may be religious, they may come to church, but they may be lost and they need to be brought in to this boat of the kingdom. 
2023 is here. Will there be a mighty catch this year? I do not know. I do not know what's going to happen in the future. We may, following Christ and and looking to him, it may be times where there is no catch. But notice how he brings it in, unexpectedly. But whatever the case is, if there's going to be any catch at all, it will be by God's power. If there's going to be anyone brought in, it will be by God's means. And that net, we need to cast it far and wide. Not just the people we think will come to church, them too, but everyone. Even the person you may think, well, I don't even know if he's going to want to talk to me about this. That scary biker guy who you talk to and realize he's actually far nicer than he realized. Whoever they may be, share the gospel with them. And God will bless you. And in this endeavor, do not be afraid. For God will be glorified in all these things. Amen.